welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagine Tech at Work podcast, formerly the Reimagine Hybrid Work podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. You may have noticed a few changes. I took a break from podcasting for a while. I've been traveling extensively, and it was difficult to find time to interview guests for a weekly program. So I've made several changes to the podcast. Uh, The first is that I will now interview guests for roughly half of the episodes. And in the remainder of the episodes, I will provide analyst commentary, which I am, uh, based on what I'm learning in the market. Events are back in full swing, and there's much to share on that front. The second big change that I've made is that I've broadened the topic of the podcast to discuss technology at work instead of just hybrid work. The shortest explanation for this is that People are moving to distributed work, but the return to office is real. So it's not really just about hybrid work right now. It's about how work is changing technology regardless of where you are. So I decided to take the word hybrid out and just focus on technology at work. Uh, The third thing that I've changed is that I had originally planned to consolidate the Reimagine Hybrid Work podcast in the AI with Maribel Lopez or AI with ML, which is my little... uh, joke there for machine learning, Maribel Lopez. Um, However, AI has really become so white hot that I decided to keep the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast as well. So what we can see is that change is ever present. And it is clear that there have been many changes for me in podcast land. So I'm happy that you're going to be here with me for the journey. So for this episode, I decided to focus on a topic that's pervasive across the technology landscape today, which is generative AI. Now, we all know that AI isn't new. It's existed for decades, and we've continually been on an evolutionary path to make it better, more relevant, easier to use. So why is everybody talking about AI now, and why is everyone so excited about generative AI, and why is it everywhere? Well, first, I'd say the biggest departure that we've seen from what we knew as AI is that now we have seen the availability and maturation of what's known as foundation models. Now, these are AI models that have been trained on vast volumes of data from a wide range of data sources, really the internet at large, and in some cases, proprietary corporate data that shouldn't have been in there, but was anyway. Uh, But just a true vast, vast volume of information. So unlike some of the traditional AI models, one of the other differences is we used to have models that were used to recognize or classify existing data. If you recall, this were things like, this is a cat or a dog. This looks like a fraudulent transaction. Now, if we go to generative AI, what we're seeing here is we can now create original content, including text, images, 
audio, video, and synthetic data. And synthetic data is data that's been artificially created by algorithms rather than real-world events. So this is a big change from classifications and analytics to generating. Now, late last year, the world was taken by storm when consumers across the globe first tried large language models, uh, also known as LLMs, uh, such as ChatGPT. Now, LLMs are really very interesting, and they're sort of the first generative AI model that everybody's really excited about uh, because they provide conversational interfaces that allow us to ask questions in a natural way. Uh, there are also image generator models. I mean, generative AI, there was a lot of generation happening in audiovisual uh, computer graphics, uh, but we see models like Dolly 2 and Stable Diffusion that allow us to create images from a description. So Gen AI is undeniably an important advancement in AI. And earlier AI models and techniques just weren't as accessible to the average user, be that a consumer or a business user. So this really changes the context of how everyone, regardless of their technical skill, can use applications and access data from a company's internal resources or publicly available information. Now, before we get too excited, which I have the opportunity to do quite frequently. I'm really into technology, and this has been really a fascinating time. It's worth noting that there are several large, yet not insurmountable challenges that need to be addressed. Now, I'd say the first is that these models were trained on publicly available internet data, which means the training data for the model may or may not be accurate. As we all know, not everything in the internet is true and factual. So, uh, therefore, that means that there might be some issues with the answers that a model would give you. Now, the second thing I think we have to think about is that because this is what's known as generative AI, the model can actually, in fact, make up answers to questions. These are called hallucinations. And what's tricky about this is that the model responds in a way that makes it sound absolutely confident that this answer that it's giving you is true and accurate. So it's difficult oftentimes, specifically if you're looking for something in a business use case, to trust the output of the data. And, you know, we've seen this happen for students that have been using models and getting things uh, incorrect in their exams. So therefore, it's happening everywhere. And I think there's much more awareness of that now. So how do we fix this? Well, the answer to that differs greatly depending on whether or not we are in the consumer area where consumers are using open models such as chat GPT or if we're in the business area where we're using corporate data in conjunction with foundation models to create a model that is more tailored to our specific industry and use case. Uh, there are also, if we looked at a third challenge, the challenge of maintaining security, privacy, and data compliance regulations, you want to make sure that your private sensitive data, either regulated data, uh, intellectual property, doesn't end up in an open source model that anybody can have access to. We've seen some initial issues and reactions to that as well, uh, some of them widely publicized with uh, proprietary code being put into models, medical information being put into models. Uh, so lots of interesting things happening there. So one of the things that we need to really think about is what's the process around that? 
So this is where we see software vendors and hyperscaler cloud companies coming into play to provide infrastructure and services to help companies create models, to help companies put security and governance around that model. So these are things and services that are available. Given that this is more business-oriented podcast, I won't go very deep into that. Maybe I'll do a follow-on podcast around that. But just know that there are tools and methods that if you're thoughtful about how you want to use generative AI and what kinds of models you want to create, we can get over those challenges of hallucinations, of security and privacy. And the way you get over hallucinations is creating things that are guided, bounded by a certain set of principles and bound in data that's actually relevant to your industry use case, your proprietary data in your company. And that's why we really do have to nail some of the security things. So without being pitchy about anybody's products, there are several different solutions that can be purchased from various companies to assist with that. So know that those are challenges, but they can be addressed. Now, the other thing that we've seen happen is because generative AI was so successful in the consumer space with everybody asking it questions and using it for various things. We've seen that it's everywhere, including the business space. And companies are calling Lopez Research every week to either ask questions about how to deploy it, or if they're a technology vendor to share how they're adding it to their products and services. And one of the big reasons that enterprises started calling us was the original set of announcements that Microsoft made in early March around its generative AI support and what it had been doing uh, with OpenAI, what it had been doing on its own with its own models. And at the time, Microsoft really grabbed the attention of enterprise buyers by announcing a series of what it calls co-pilots within its Dynamics 365 apps and productivity apps. And co-pilots are these conversational assistants that allow a user to query Microsoft's data and application functions using natural language. Um, what we see happening here is that those AI-powered assistants are now available across its business app portfolio, including sales, service, marketing, and supply chain. Uh, for example, you can ask a copilot to summarize your last sales call or Teams meeting or to draft a marketing pitch using information from your existing PDFs and web pages, or respond to a customer service request by surfacing the right information to an agent from a series of your knowledge-based articles and customer transaction data. So these co-pilots are natively built into Microsoft's productivity CRM and ERP applications. And while we've talked a lot about AI, and while we've even talked about AI and applications, I think being able to see and query your applications using AI was really kind of the breakthrough that got everybody super, super excited about what was going on in the space. And that's kind of the attention grabbing moment. So following these announcements, Microsoft hosted a event on LinkedIn in mid-March where it shared its vision for how it planned to use generative AI to reinvent productivity. And that's where we got to see a lot of these announcements. And after that, there were some other uh, cloud companies that did similar things. Uh, obviously, Google has its uh, productivity apps, and it actually did some similar announcements later on. And we just started to see some real momentum around this. So when we think about this, the events are significant because it was the first time that most IT marketing and sales buyers could see 
AI applied with app- within applications in really an easy to use manner that would allow them to complete tasks faster and to even do new things, such as asking a system to analyze sales information and, um, you know, maybe for a specific region. Now, it's well known that CRM and Enterprise Resource Planning, ERP, have long been critical for business, but they often come with time-consuming tasks like manual data entry, content generation, and note-taking. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to see how we could utilize the advances in generative AI to really change how business applications operate, to allow them to automate portions of tasks like capturing notes and alerting a logistics manager of supply chain issues. And the goal is to improve the efficiency and overall performance by minimizing what would probably be known as undifferentiated busy work and freeing up time for employees to focus on more meaningful tasks. So what does that look like for organizations? Well, in the case of sales, you can imagine having an AI assistant that can write email responses to customers and even create an email summary of a team's meeting and outlook. Uh, the meeting summary can pull in data from the seller's CRM, such as product and pricing information, as well as insights from that recorded team's call. And according to Microsoft, salespeople spend up to 66% of their day checking and responding to emails. That to me just seems astronomical, but then again, I live in email, so I don't know why I think that's such a big number. Um, Microsoft expects its co-pilots to offer a significant business advantage by giving the sellers more time to focus on the customers. We can automate some of that. So uh, they didn't give any specs around how big of a business advantage, but you can imagine if you shaved any of that time off, there's definitely productivity savings. Now, if we looked at these concepts in terms of how they might change other customer and employee experiences, you know, in a customer service scenario, a co-pilot can use data that you have to create contextual answers to queries in both chat and email. Uh, It can provide interactive chat experience uh, with your knowledge bases and case history. And we've all had poor experiences with virtual agents on websites. And I hope that in this era of AI, we'll be able to allow customer service departments to build better performing virtual agents faster. Uh, I won't dive into the mechanics of how that's done here, uh, but the topic is pertinent for my AI with Maribel Lopez, the AI with ML podcast, and I'll place a link to that show in the show notes. So one of the opportunities we really see at Lopez Research in this space is the ability to accurately create more free-flowing conversations. Instead of forcing a customer to select one of a few options, they can just type in what they want instead of getting a robotic-sounding reply, they can receive a reply that sounds more human-like. Heck, we may even get to rich, multi-turned conversations where the bot remembers what you've asked before and what you're trying to clarify. Now, I know we're not quite there yet, but we can do more than we could ever do before in the past, and the potential of this technology is really evident in customer service experiences And if we look at marketing, we see examples of how generative AI can simplify a marketer's workflow by assisting with data exploration, audience segmentation, and content creation. So imagine, imagine if you will, being able to ask your marketing software to personalize a campaign or 
being able to help a marketer discover a new customer segment to target by querying the customer data platform in natural language. Microsoft had said that its Copilot technology can suggest additional customer segments that may not have previously been considered, uh, handle complex calculations, and match customers to Pacific profiles. And, you know, if the technology can live up to its promises, it will really change how marketers work. But having said all this, I can't underestimate the importance of clean and connected data sets here. If your data is not clean, you know, basically bad data equals bad output. If your data isn't connected, AI can't find it and can't surface it. And sadly, this, I believe, is still an issue. Uh, One of the biggest challenges we've always had in the past is how to connect all the disparate data sources we have in our corporation. And if you're already working with Microsoft across productivity and the business app suites, you'll be able to have these co-pilots access a wide range of customer sales support and collaboration data. However, the picture isn't quite so rosy if you have various software vendors for each of these areas. Data access and integration becomes more complicated, and your tech team will need APIs and plugins and a myriad of technology to support data flow. So that isn't new, but at least within any given application, we're starting to see this ability for you to have a natural language conversation to surface things. Even in Excel, they gave a great example of Excel because if you're an Excel power user, you know all the formulas and functions. But if you're not, a lot of the application is really lost on you. But if you could just say things, perhaps you don't know how to type in the CAGR formula and you don't want to Google it. You could just say, give me a five-year compounded annual growth rate for this product category where, you know, the revenue started in X and ended in Y. You know, figure out what the CAGR was. Little things like that. Or there's just a million things that you could surface in an application that if you just spoke to it, just to see if it could do it we could get a lot more insight and use the power of some of the applications we already had. So I thought that was sort of a simple yet really exciting kind of thing that we could use. With the data integration challenges aside, we talked a little bit about security. When you do this, you are going to need to make sure that you're working with provider that has considered how to keep your data safe and secure and either in the cloud of your choice or on-prem with the ability to be accessed. Um, Now, one of my favorite and most underappreciated examples is that for decades, business analytics was supposed to help business leaders predict the future. And today we wanna use AI to achieve predictive and prescriptive insights. And in supply chain, you can see how we could leverage AI and co-pilot to enable proactive identification of external issues that may impact key key supply chain processes. So you could have predictive insight surface impact orders across, say, materials, inventory, the carrier, the distribution network. And the software can enable supply chain planners to use conversational assistance within the system to automatically draft an email and send that email to alert impacted partners and mitigate potential disruptions before they happen. So long story short, what I see happening here is that uh, 
the Microsoft Copilot announcements were a big deal because they're one of many ways that AI is changing the application landscape. And I'll be sharing more about that in the coming weeks. But I think the big change we're seeing here is how we're thinking about AI. Moving beyond basic automation, basic analytics to tools that create content and deliver actionable insight. So there's a lot going on in the space here, and I look forward to sharing how we're seeing AI being embedded into applications. I believe my next topic that I want to attack is uh, how AI is being used in the contact center. I've been doing a lot of research on that. Super fascinating. So I'll share that in an upcoming podcast. So that's it for this episode. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research and the Data for Betterment Foundation. And I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about how generative AI is transforming businesses. And stay tuned for more tech updates. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. You can also follow me on Twitter, Threads, and LinkedIn through the links in the show notes. And until next time, keep exploring the wonders of technology. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology. Thank you.